0: Also providing defensibility so that when a regulator came and asked where an institution was on the remuneration activity um, or to report
1: on the level of exposure that an institution has. Support provided by the Vital Credit Card. Make a statement in your wallet with a sleek metal credit card that pays you cash back when you share and spend responsibly while helping you improve your credit health. Request your invite at vital.fintechconfidential.com. Welcome to Fintech Confidential, bringing you the people, tech, and companies that change how you pay and get paid. I'm excited to introduce to you, Debrard Huck, the co-founder and chief revenue officer for Arteria AI. He's a former lawyer and AI expert And Arar specializes in delivering AI and technology products and solutions really focused from the legal industry perspective. Now, prior to Arteria, Arar was a partner at Deloitte Canada in uh, in the Omnia AI artificial intelligence practice, where he was the operations lead overseeing the daily operations of the practice and over 500 plus practitioners across Canada and Chile. Abrar, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Ted.
1: Tune in as we go through and we discuss Arteria AI's innovative approach to helping banks and other fintechs make faster and more informed decisions and hear more about Abrar's expertise in AI in the legal industry. And listen all the way to the end because he's gonna provide some guidance for fintech founders on how to build a successful company. Apart, before we start diving into Arteria's past and present and future, how did you first become interested in fintech and what led you to found co found Arteria?
0: It's a great question. It's not not an easy answer. Uh but <laughs> take you through a little bit of the uh the background. I Spend some time in the legal industry. My background is in law. Uh, it's not in banking. It's not necessarily in finance, although I did do an undergraduate degree in finance. It didn't really, uh, turn into anything professionally. I went straight into law school after that, but I quickly realized that I didn't want to be practicing law on a day to day basis. That wasn't what got me excited in the morning. What got me excited in the mornings and what got me out of bed was doing New and interesting and innovative things and thinking about things differently and how to approach traditional problems in a different way. And that started out in a very legal focus. Uh, One of my first uh, jobs out of of law school was not as a practicing lawyer, but actually working at a legal technology company uh, that had been founded by Archery AI's current CEO, Shelby Austin. We grew that startup to about a couple hundred people. We were focused on a similar type of problem to what we are today, although more focused on how law firms delivered their services. Uh, it was more of a people oriented business than a, a technology oriented business. We successfully exited that business, selling that business to Deloitte, which is how we ended up at, at Deloitte. Uh, once we got to Deloitte, uh, we were the, the data people, the analytics people, uh, not necessarily in financial services specifically, but because of where we were, who we worked with, who our client base was, um, banking, especially uh, in, in Canada, where where we were based uh, and still are based and headquartered, banking is one of the biggest industries here. Uh, the, the, the big five Canadian banks, uh, generate a lot of revenue from the consulting firm. So at Deloitte, they were a big priority for us. And so uh, that is how I became a financial services practitioner consultant in those days, Uh, starting out focused on data and analytics problems, uh, ultimately into delivering AI programs for financial institutions. Uh, And that was sort of my first foray into fintechs. Uh, And it was there at Deloitte that we ultimately built the foundation for what is now Archeria AI. Uh, we initially called it D-Trax. We built it, uh, at Deloitte, incubated it within Deloitte, uh, within their Omni AI practice. Uh, that's where Shelby and I met our third co-founder at Archeria AI, Jonathan Wong, who was the, the, the product lead and ran the product factory, uh, for, for Deloitte's AI practice there. Uh, and we developed uh, what is now known as Archeria uh, at Deloitte. We were able to get a little bit of success uh, with with our banking clients and financial services clients uh, through the Deloitte network and through our existing uh, client base at, at Deloitte. Uh, and we're able to really incubate the product that really talked to uh, uh, a decent amount of uh, product market fit. Uh, and we knew we had something here. We knew we needed to put the the foot on the gas, uh, and and that really precipitated uh the spin out from Deloitte. So we ultimately left Deloitte uh with a with this as a spin-out. Um and we were able to we were able to do that and and also to get uh VC funding uh shortly thereafter. So we did a series uh series A uh several months after we spun out from from Deloitte. Uh, and that has really accelerated and pro- and propelled us in our journey as an independent company that still has a good very good relationship with Deloitte uh, and works closely with Deloitte in a lot of uh, a lot of realms although we are fully independent today uh, and that takes us to the the journey that uh, that we're on right now uh, which is our uh, second startup journey for for Shelby and I uh, and uh, a little bit of uh, uh, a return to our roots as as entrepreneurs,
1: uh, you know that journey is is very telling. I mean a lot of people fall into those types of situations where you start one thing, it gets acquired, it transforms into something different, and then spawns off a completely new industry or vertical that you're playing in and you've mentioned a number of of pieces in there, but I'm really curious for you to tell me about the Arteria AI vision and mission for improving client document processes, especially in the financial industry.
0: Yeah, so our our, our mandate is, is pretty simple. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, we want to make contracting and documentation processes frictionless. Uh, too often, especially in financial services, uh, these are manual processes that are rife with Friction points, not just for, uh, for clients or customers of a financial institution, uh, but also bankers and those that are working within a financial institution. Uh, documentation's often been forgotten in digital transformation remains analog. And our mission is to ensure that documentation is frictionless and that we enable data flow within an organization. That's the second part of our mission and our mandate. Everything that we do is around data Uh, that comes from a little bit of our roots at Deloitte, having spent uh, a fair bit of time uh, devoted to uh, developing and helping finance institutions with data-related problems. We think about documentation in a very data-oriented way. Uh, And you see that manifest in our company name, R2AI, as well. Uh, It's the, as some of as some of you may have surmised already, it comes from a Latin root for for artery, uh, and we think of data as being the vital lifeblood of a financial institution, really of any organization, not not just financial institutions. Uh, and documents are these these very important, critical arteries that carry all of this data within an organization, and ultimately, their documents are are, are the basis for which relationships are formed within uh, within humankind, but also within uh, within financial institutions as well. Anytime a financial institution interacts with the customer, there's typically a document involved and data that's locked within that document. Uh, and so we help to enable the flow of all of that data.
1: That is a big piece. I was just talking to a couple of people today, actually one of, one of my good friends said, hey, I sent a contract and an invoice over to somebody I don't even know if they've looked at it. Uh, they said they can't read the banking stuff, but typed it in. So how can they not read it? That type of friction, I could see where a product like Arteria AI reamlines that and gives you a little bit better understanding of your accounts receivables and, and what kind of other things may be going on, which makes it really uh, one of the things that I wanted to learn a little bit more about. And if you could please share with us more about the team behind Arteria AI and their experiences in legal and financial industries that that really bring that to the forefront.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, this is one of the my my favorite teams that I've ever worked with in uh, in my entire career, and we have very varying and diverse backgrounds, uh, and that helps us to think about. Clients differently, think about client problems differently. Um, so you obviously have folks that have, uh, the legal background, myself, Shelby, uh, oh. our, our, CEO is also, uh, an ex attorney back in her day, a <laughs> former partner at a law firm in a previous life. Um, we've since moved on and then became data people, uh, through our time at, at Deloitte and consultants. Uh, our team also consists of bankers, ex bankers that have spent time Dealing with documentation really being, feeling the pain that, that financial institutions are doing, uh, are feeling when they're dealing with documentation. They've been on the front lines. They've experienced what, what, uh, what documentation means. They also understand what the impact is downstream of having better documentation processes. What does that enable for our, for the institution? What does that enable for a customer? These are the types of things that we're able to, to get I myself have never worked in a financial institution. I've worked with financial institutions for my entire career, but, and I spent a lot of time on, on, on in offices and, uh, head offices and, uh, a lot of boardrooms with financial students, but never been on the other side. But we have bankers that work with us now, uh, on our team that provide that land that are the advocates for the clients. And you really see that in our product. Uh, and then also from a technical perspective, we've been very fortunate to, uh, to be able to bring together, uh, really an incredible, uh, technical roster. Um, I mentioned our, our, our third co-founder, Jonathan Wong, who's also elsewhere CTO, um, who ran the product factory at, uh, at Deloitte. We also have heading up our data science team that leads all of our AI initiatives, uh, Dr. Amir Hajian, who, uh, has spent his entire career working uh, on very complex, uh, problems. Uh, we're very lucky that he's chosen to make documentation his problem for, uh, <laughs> for this period of time, but he's, he's grew up, uh, as an astrophysicist. Uh, as he likes to tell me, he maps the universe uh, or was trying to map the universe in his previous life. Uh, and we're just very fortunate to be able to, to have that caliber of thinker, that caliber of, uh, uh, of experience brought into the fold here. And, and you really are able to create some magical things when you bring such diverse backgrounds together and put them in a room with a whiteboard, uh, and give them, uh, uh a banking problem or a lending problem or a payments problem. And all of a sudden, all these different perspectives are able to really create something that's, that's really unique and really magical.
1: With that diverse of a group, I mean, that is amazing to have that kind of a group to work together, former bankers, former attorneys, astrophysicists. That is a crazy mixture of people. How, let me word it this way. What have been some of the biggest lessons that you and the Arteria AI team have learned Through the process, especially having such a diverse group of people looking at things in a completely different way, I'm really curious to understand what is the biggest thing you guys have learned.
0: It's a great question and something that's particularly pointed for us because we actually spun out during the pandemic. Uh, And so Arturi AI was created in uh, October of 2020 as a new entity. Uh, and so we grew up in a virtual world that had to learn how to work together in the virtual world and had to bring all of these diverse viewpoints together in a virtual world. Uh, and we had to do a lot of work to 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 be able to foster a culture and community in which you can really uh, create the the, the safety and the energy that that you need in order to, make something magical happen by bringing these diverse viewpoints together, you can bring the best people together around the table. But in order to cultivate those ideas, you need to foster a culture of, of trust, of belonging, and of community where you're all uh, working together, rowing the boat in the same direction, communicating clearly where we all sort of understand what the, the ultimate objectives are, what the ultimate mission is, what the ultimate client pain points that we're solving for are and uh and really building that type of environment is critical and was critical for us in order to be successful if we were just six or seven smart people sitting around a board table um going one at a time raising ideas we probably wouldn't be where we are but the fact that we're able to to build the community and uh and uh a culture where we're able to share ideas, be critical with each other, uh in a empathetic way uh that doesn't uh create uh friction. There's healthy friction. There will always be <laughs> healthy friction within uh within a successful startup and uh, uh and any product company uh, but ensuring that that that's healthy That's really what has been one of the big lessons and and a point of emphasis for us growing up in a pandemic-oriented world.
1: In the intro, we talked about this being all new and growing in a pandemic world, being remote, that is definitely a challenge. Have you learned anything special about and around the bank or financial technologies that maybe you wouldn't have thought of before as you've gone on that journey?
0: Oh, tons, tons. And a lot of that is client-driven. Uh, it's uh, it's new and innovative use cases that we haven't thought of uh, because we're not there on the ground day-to-day that the financial institution is. Uh, and they're able to have the creativity and the the wherewithal to look at what we offer, how we deliver it, and think about how it could be applied in a different way. When we first started out at at Arteria, we looked at financial institutions and we had sketched out a list of what we saw as about 50 different use cases for Arteria AI within financial institutions. If we were to do that exercise today and gather all the use cases, we would be well into the hundreds. We've learned so much uh, and all of that has come uh, through the, our, our clients and, and sitting with our clients and listening to our clients. And also that what I talked about in terms of fostering an environment where you're able to create something magical from a product perspective. You also have to build that same relationship with your customers and your clients and build the, uh, the ability to have that trust where they're not looking at you as the, uh, a salesperson that's locking in, hawking the machine that does X, Y and Z. They're thinking about a solution that can enable A, B, and C, and maybe it can be applied in, in this way. If we think about it in a slightly different way, it's been one of the, the, the most exciting things uh, about the arteria journey. Uh, and I've personally learned a lot about finance. institutions. I mean, the, 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 fi- the world of finance, financial institutions is constantly evolving and, and COVID played, uh, uh, a very interesting role in everyone's, uh, view and the priorities and, uh, and all of that and uh, and we've been fortunate to to be able to grow along that.
1: If you had to pick one thing that is the biggest lesson that you've learned with the financial institution and with other banks or any fintech that you've worked with, what would that like one big one that you feel moved you to that next next level? Ooh. They made me think about that one for a second. <laughs> uh, stuff, uh, I promise you, it's not a gotcha question. It's more yeah, yeah, like, no, no, no. Just trying to drill in. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, uh, I need to
0: try to think of how to phrase it without getting myself in trouble.
1: <laughs> see, that darn legal background <laughs> yeah, yeah, is like, keeping us from getting <laughs> the real answer. I see how yeah, it is.
0: Attorney of ours it's uh, <laughs> barking away <laughs> in the back there. Uh, um, uh, one lesson yeah so the biggest lesson that, that we've learned and this uh, I think surprises a lot of customers and institutions that we work with is the fact that truly documentation has been forgotten in uh, a lot of Uh, transformation work, in terms of processes, even in terms of resources and how it's handled and who does the documentation work. We often come across is customers that think that they're not mature enough uh, and that they're behind. Everyone else is, uh, is ahead of them. But we work with some of the biggest institutions in the world. We work with institutions that are less than a billion in assets uh less than there are a couple hundred million in assets. They all have similar problems. Everyone has documentation challenges. Everyone has ha- has neglected because it's been neglected as an industry. It hasn't been a focal point. And it's okay. It's that there's that the maturity of this little niche that, that we're in around documentation is is hasn't been their work. We, along with a couple of other innovative fintechs, are helping bring the, the financial institutions along in that realm. But it's never too early, uh, and you're never too far behind what anyone else is doing, no matter how big or small or uh, what shape or size the institution
1: I is. Look at how many times people are announcing. A, a digital transformation, or they're announcing a new digital product, or they're announcing all these different things, but yet they haven't looked for efficiencies internally, especially in the documentation. And when you look at things like contracts, you look at things, the pricing schedules, you look at all the different things that go around that, there's a ton of things you can extract out of the business to understand how well you're doing and where the business is moving forward. That's kind of probably why Deloitte really was looking at at this AI and really focused on this piece of it. Can you share with us the decision and what it was like when the decision to spin off from Deloitte as a separate entity was decided and how has that contributed to the company's success?
0: Oh, D- Deloitte has been uh, foundational. They they uh, they got this product started. Uh, they in- invested in the, the initial bill, but really this, this seed funding, as it were, would have come from, uh, from, from Deloitte. There's inherent limitations that come with working with, uh, and working in, uh, one of the, oh, well, the largest professional services firm in, in the world. Uh, but also one of the, the large audit firms, uh, in the world. One of the challenges that arises out of that uh, becomes um, how capital can be raised uh, and uh, how cap tables can be shared between entities that uh, that audit uh, other firms uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, other shareholders work and uh, the SEC takes a good hard look at uh, okay. at all of that very very closely. Ultimately. That, that was one of the big contributing factors was thinking about as we take this product to the next level, uh, we need to, uh, we need to invest in it. Um, whether that's in Deloitte, outside of Deloitte, whatever, in order to, to really start the hockey stick, we need to, to, to pour some money in. It would have been very difficult to do that within the Deloitte construct. And that was one of the, uh, the biggest reason for looking for alternative ways to, uh to to get the the investment that we needed in order to continue our our growth trajectory and and go beyond Uh, it was was immensely helpful in incubating our product getting our initial clients the deloitte network has always been a big supporter of ours uh and continues to be i think we many of our uh our our leaders and, and staff are within the deloitte alumni network uh and we're in Senior positions at Deloitte. I was a partner at Deloitte. Um, Jonathan, our CTO, obviously ran the product factory. Shelby Austin, our, our CEO, um, was the managing partner of the on the AI practice at, at Deloitte. So we have relationships uh, and uh, and networks within Deloitte that we still use on a on a daily basis. And they uh, work with us. We work with them. I was just on a call this morning, actually, that came through uh, a Deloitte referral. Uh, and that will never never change. Uh, that's just our network is our network and yeah, uh, and they'll continue to 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 be supporters of ours but uh we we do maintain that independence now that helps us to uh to really hit our our full potential,
1: so you've mentioned a couple times that being a part of Deloitte kept you from raising outside funds and keeping and and having the SEC eyes on you around all that stuff. Since the spinoff, how much have you guys raised since then? And are you expecting to raise more funds in the future? The most common cause of bad customer experience isn't that high tech. It's embarrassingly simple. Yep, it's answering questions. In e-commerce, it's really easy to get bogged down with common questions, whether that's where's my package, how do I return or exchange this item, or just to cancel a subscription. SolvePath is an AI-driven customer support system that enhances the customer experience with visual formats and self-serve technology to empower your customers to handle their own support requests. Get the best customer support system for your business. Get SolvePath. Get started by visiting GetSolvePath.com.
0: Clarify around the the SSC point, that's just a, a natural SSC independence rule around thought, what the, Big four audit firms they can do and what sort of marketplace activities they can, they can take part in. Less about the SD watching us and more about literally we, which Deloitte would not be able to do that. And we would not be able to do that as Arteria. Um, but as far as, uh, raises go and, and funding, uh, so shortly after we, we spun out, uh, we did a series A. Uh, that was led by uh, a series of, of, fintech oriented VCs, uh, that are backed by, uh, by finance institutions from, from around the world. We've been fortunate to have great VCs, uh, that have been very supportive and have truly been partners and mentors, uh, along our journey. Um, so, uh, in terms of, uh, numbers that, that's public, uh, that was, uh, an 11 million USD uh, series A that we did. Um, the, we subsequently, uh, did a strategic round, uh, that wasn't a series B, but something, uh, uh, post a, uh, where, uh, Citibank and, uh, and BDC and business development bank of Canada, um, came on board as investors of ours. Uh, that was last summer. Uh, and so we're, we're gearing up right now, uh, in a, in an interesting climate, uh, where we have been fortunate to, uh, to, to withstand some of the, um, the, the headwinds that, uh, that unfortunately some other tech companies, uh, have faced in the last couple months, uh, we've managed to, to withstand that. And Chris Ross and knock on wood are, are, uh, projecting to, to, to come out of that. Okay. And, uh, and so. We'll look at doing uh, uh, so subsequent round uh, in, in the near future, um, a series made.
1: With the way that you help financial institutions maximize their revenues and same, save time and costs, how does Arteria AI do those things? How do they maximize the revenue? How do they save time? How do you s- save on costs?
0: Fundamentally, what we are there to do is to... Uh, from a operational layer or a, uh, a day-to-day user of the product, uh, is typically a, uh, a banker or a loan officer or someone that's dealing with a customer. Um, so we largely deal with customer documentation, uh, not necessarily, uh, the procurement or vendor documentation. That's typically a, a different discipline. Anytime a financial institution is dealing with a customer or a, re- a revenue generating activity. Uh, that's where we come in to enable the, the data flow, uh, and enable the documentation. Uh, and what we do is we are built with, uh, with standard REST APIs throughout. And our general principle is we want to use, uh, as much data as possible that already exists within a, the universe of an institution, whether that's within their core, or an LOS, uh, or a homegrown data system of some kind, use that data to generate a document of best fit. So that typically means mapping the data elements that reside within a core or an LOS to a template library and a clause library that sit within Arteria uh, to generate uh, the T's and scenes of the document or the credit agreement or... You can go from anything as simple as an NDA or a, uh, like a few schedules can be complex, but they look relatively short and compact <laughs> to complex syndicated loan documents. We run the gamut in, in our area today. Um, and we basically generate those documents automatically. And so a loan officer or a banker or a trader um, doesn't need to consult a lawyer, have an have a attorney go and prepare the document. Where, um, where the document may go into the ether while the attorney is working on it for a day, a week, month. A month. We, we've we've all been there. Where <laughs> you send something to an attorney to look at, and then four weeks later, you're you're wondering if they've even gone to it yet. Yeah. It's the first bit of uh, of automation and operational efficiency and time savings. On top of that, we have a full negotiation and collaboration capability, and that's where. A lot of our AI comes in uh, is around reading, markups, red lines, changes that have been made either internally or externally. So if you need to change some terms or change parts of the document and need to get approval internally, uh, we facilitate that through our negotiation and collaboration module. Or if there's markups from the counterparty or counterparties, those get uh, accessed through that. On all of that is layered a structured data model Uh, and what that ultimately means is that the uh the bankers uh, the attorneys that they're involved the approvers they're all interacting with something that looks and feels like a document so it's very familiar to them but what they're actually interacting with is structured data that's been represented to look like a document Uh, a little bit of our Deloitte roots meets our attorney roots, yeah. melding together in the product. Uh, there's effectively two layers to the product. There's the, uh, I call it the surface layer that the, the users are interacting with that an attorney would be familiar with, something that they looks and feels similar to what they would typically do when they fire up Microsoft Word and, uh, okay. and, and make changes to a document. For the engineers and the data people, there's a structured data model. On it. And so as the document is being manipulated, changed, Uh, approvals go through, markups are made. The structured data model is capturing all of those changes that are happening. And so once you ultimately execute the document or finalize the document, you have a fully digitized representation of what's contained within that document aligned to your data model that can be sent back into your data sources, your uh, core system or LOS, whatever the case may be. Uh, And so that uh that's the arterial blood flow of the 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 data from within the document. We send it back to the institution after the document's been finalized, Matt student.
1: So i I heard a number of systems that you mentioned in there, and I, I'm only guessing that these things aren't normally connected. They're very disconnected and disjointed. Yeah. Um, how kind of experience is this converting into for the clients and their clients for this document management journey that you just discussed.
0: Yeah, it's it's very much uh, a journey that doesn't happen in isolation of data teams, engineering teams, uh, and uh, and really the 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 infrastructure of an institution. Uh, and so you think about documentation as being a neglected part of the digital transformation. It's also neglected as part of the the infrastructure. Often, are 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 working side by side with enterprise architects um, who are thinking about the bigger picture from a data perspective uh, and slotting the, the documentation in. Uh, as part of that overall infrastructure vision and, 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 approach and, uh, what they're architecting from an, from an infrastructure perspective. It's really fun. That, that's really what gets a lot of juice out of, uh, the data flow at, at the end of the day is thinking about documentation as part and parcel of your data journey and your digital journey. If it happens in isolation as just a discrete project that you're just focused on documentation by itself, there'll be tremendous operational efficiency for sure. And you'll get a lot of benefit from that. But there's a potential uh, opportunity that you're missing by not enabling the data flow in the way that you should.
1: Can you walk us through like an example process of structuring data during the documentation lifecycle that you just mentioned, and how by doing that, that it speeds up the decision-making for all the stakeholders. You'd mentioned using AI and a couple other things, walk us through what that that looks and feels like.
0: Sure. Uh, So uh, I'll walk through a couple of uh, of different examples. Firstly, I'll I'll walk through uh, a... a data example, and then uh, I'll walk through an AI example, which is more around the, the operational efficiency part. The data example, uh, I'll, I'll use a simple example, but commonly happens today with institutions of all sizes, um, is around lending, for example. Um, and within uh, a loan origination system and everything that, that happens before the documents that prepared, you might have an interest rate that uh, that, that has been agreed on by, uh, the borrower as well as the, the bankers and loan officers and a lot of work. And then something happens where, uh, ultimately the documents produced, but now this interest rate needs to change within the document. What happens, uh, in the status quo is that there's an LOS or a data element within the LOS that has the old interest rate that generates, maybe generates the document. Uh, that's now a static document that reflects that interest rate. Now, if that interest rate changes as part of the negotiation process or an approval process, that LOS has no way of knowing what the new interest rate is. And that can have a tremendous impact from a servicing perspective because now you don't know what the... You're relying on somebody throwing up a flag and manually fixing something that exists within the LOS And that when you go and start to service and get to distribution on a loan, you're, uh you're doing it appropriately so that's a simple example that leads to a large amount of risk and could have potentially huge financial implications depending on the loan uh, through just one document uh, that uh, that could go awry
1: so yeah I have to ask what is an LOS I Loan origination system. I just wanted to make yeah. sure that myself and those listening that aren't familiar with the acronym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, get clarity on it. But you're getting ready to go on to the next one. So uh around artificial intelligence, uh, one of the biggest challenges that
0: exists around documentation is what you do with a document that you've never seen before. If you have uh a templated fee schedule, uh, credit agreement T's and that you use every single day. That's one thing. But if you've yes, your counterparty proposes a new document, or your attorney prepares a new document, or you're participating in a loan agreement where you have a piece of the loan, but you're not the one that's driving the uh, the full agreement. You're not the agent bank within the loan. Um you are relying on consuming what could be a very complex document and having to break that document apart to feed into your data systems. Uh, and what often happens today is headed over to Ted or Abrar, Tadr or Abrar open up the documents in, uh, on their computer and start typing into the the data system. What our AI does is uh, it takes the document that's come in, scans it, converts it into machine readable text, and then using the models and uh and algorithms that we've developed basically breaks out that document into individual components and data elements that can facilitate the entry of those data points, those specific data points that ultimately need to go into your data systems. So it'll go and find the interest rate and pull that out so that you don't need to find it within a huge Mm 50-page document or 100-page document uh, and then secondly, automatically populate that uh, that data element within uh, the in, in the right format uh, in alignment with your data model as well. Uh, and that's a huge uh, operational efficiency uh, benefit process that has been uh, tackled in a very manual way today and still is tackled in a very manual way today. Uh, and using the, the artificial tones we're really able to get a pretty significant boost in that process.
1: Tell me about the track record of success that Arteria AI has had with some of the world's largest banks. I can only imagine that these guys have have really taken to it really, really well. And I would love to understand, like, what kind of successes have you had with these folks?
0: Yeah, we've been very fortunate to to have uh, uh, a fair amount of success, uh, particularly with the largest financial institutions in, in the world. Uh I mentioned City as uh as one of our investors. They're also mm-hmm. a uh a, a big partner of ours. They work uh uh we work with them in a number of different realms, both from a customer perspective, partner perspective, as well as uh, as an investor. So it's a multifaceted relationship uh there. Uh and there's a, a, a number of firms of of, of that all, that that uh that we've worked closely with. Um that uh I I wish I could name them all. Uh, unfortunately, I'm bound by confidentiality <laughs> around, around many of them. So I well, try there's to... a
1: reason why I said world's yeah. largest banks because yeah. uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to drag you into getting into you know the the attorney Abrar coming out yet again. Yeah. So no, no.
0: But Citi's yeah'
1: is a good one, and and I've seen Citi's... them do a lot of the things like what you're talking about. Is they they find a technology that builds a ton of function for them. And they really like it. So to show support and really help things along, they go into the investment route because it well, it just makes sense for them to get that technology moving forward.
0: Yeah. And then that was the start of our journey. It was actually a little bit different than what a lot of startups uh, start with. And that would tackle the the top of the market, the largest firms in the in the world. Did you generally uh, start and a little so, bit lower on the Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Exactly. We we started on hard dog. Uh, and uh, we, uh, our, our initial focus when we first uh, started out even in the Deloitte days was really focused around the the 30 globally systemically important banks and the, basically the 30 biggest banks in the world were our, our main priorities. That definitely uh, is we, hard mode. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was hard mode, but we, we were able to build a fair amount of success there. But what we also quickly learned is that the same problems and the same principles apply at all ends of the market. Uh, and so now our, our client base is, is very diverse. It cuts, mm-hmm. cuts across, uh, all sorts of different sizes of, sizes of institutions, um, from, uh, from, from regional banks to super regionals to, uh, to community banks as well. Uh, credit unions have the same issues and same problems that every financial institution deals with documentation. Uh, and has similar problems to, to what, uh, to what the cities of the world are facing.
1: So you go from the 30 biggest banks out there, right? Yeah. And then you realize, Hey, the smaller institutions, the lo- smaller companies need this too. What is the common thread okay, between all of those that allowed you to go down market after servicing yeah. the big 30 ish? Yeah. yeah. In um, hard mode, what, what was it that allowed you to go, okay, well, I'm going to go into easy mode now, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think there is an easy mode uh, when you're in the when <laughs> Well, in the startup I mean, that's world, true. Yeah. <laughs> true. Um, no, no, I know, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. Ultimately, at the end of the day, um, our product is, is document agnostic, industry agnostic, uh, we've chosen to focus on on financial services, and we think we're, we we do it pretty well. But there's nothing inherently about the product that makes it more suitable for financial services or uh, or for large institutions. There's maybe some more clear extraordinary levels of ROI when you have complexity, but that doesn't mean that there isn't ROI once if you if your complexity is scaled down a little bit. Uh, and uh for us, one of the big learnings that we had as we moved uh into uh other market segments beyond the the 30 largest in the world, uh, is that our product was a little bit too big. Uh, not every institution needs every little belt bell whistle that we have and every module that we have. Um, and really splitting it down to the problem segment segment uh was, was critical and it's an ongoing dirty that, that we're going down. Developing and and building new futures and have a pretty aggressive roadmap that, uh, that is really trying to solve for, for each of these market segments. But we need to be thoughtful every time about how does this fit into each of the individual, uh, market segments that we're serving?
1: One of the big things that, that with, with my consulting company that we run into a lot are financial institutions and other institutions looking for efficient and effective ways for them to maintain compliance with regulations, rules, and a whole bunch of other reporting characteristics. How would Arteria AI help them in that process? And or does it?
0: No, absolutely it does. And this is uh this is where the tertia bra part of the the, the product <laughs> comes out comes out and shines. I joke about it, but, but really, I, I think a, lo- a lot of the feedback that we get is that we do bring that, uh, the, the attorney perspective, the data perspective and the AI perspective, because we have very unique backgrounds and haven't been in all three of those realms, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty unique. But from a, uh, a, a compliance and regulatory perspective, that interestingly enough, one of the, uh, the initial, uh, events that really drove uh the initial adoption and build of, of arteria was around regulatory events um uh, for financial institutions um whether it be for uh for GDPR 5 years ago mm-hmm. uh or for uh for our friends across the pond Brexit was a a, a big oh, driver gosh. towards having yeah. to change large amounts of contracts uh, and having to repaper their contracts with their customers and uh, and everyone that they dealt with. um and so um not just in in being able to accomplish that type of activity um was was what we were doing, but we were also providing defensibility so that when a regulator came and asked where they were on the remediation activity where an institution was on the remediation activity um or to report on the level of exposure that an institution has to uh, to the LIBOR transition and uh, LIBOR interest rates being phased out. These are the types of things that you're able to capture and report on uh, with our audit trail and reporting capabilities. And was uh, and still is one of the the big uh, the big usages of of Arteria. But uh, it was particularly poignant in uh, in some of our early days when we were serving some of these regulatory activities when they were. At the forefront,
1: I'm going to ask you to take off your regular glasses and <laughs> put on the glasses that allow you to see well into the future. Yeah. What potential opportunities do you see for Arteria AI in, say, the next five years?
0: Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I think that Ar, uh, that Arteria. And, and documentation technology as a category will be a category. Uh, and that's, I, I, we, we laugh at it now, but, uh, 15, 20 years ago, uh, before Salesforce made CRM, uh, a category, CRM may have been a subset of content management or some other category. Uh, I, I think that that is going to be, Uh, something that we're, something that we're already seeing a trend towards. Um, and, uh, I, I, I like to think that we're already a global leader in, in that category. Um, and, uh, in particular with the focus on financial services, um, we think we are headed down a path where we can be the ubiquitous documentation platform and solution that everyone uses in financial services, uh, for, for documentation.
1: So the Kleenex of documentation Which, management and contract yeah. artificial intelligence,
0: yeah, becomes rather, arteria. rather than zero option, it'll be arteria arteria.
1: In, <laughs> I love <laughs> it. I love it. Well, you know, we're coming to the end, and, and I, I warned the audience. I shouldn't say warned. I foreshadowed with the audience this question, but yeah, as a fintech founder. What advice would you give to others looking to either start or just starting their startup journey?
0: Yeah, uh, from me and, I and uh, our perspective at, at Arteria, we have a very strong leadership team, uh, and in particular, our co-founders, uh, myself, Shelby Austin, Jonathan Wonk, uh, as well as our our, our senior staff, are the level of trust that we have is uh is exceptionally high um and that did not happen overnight it takes time to to build that but that is something that has been critical to our success uh and will continue to be critical to our success because we all believe that we're going to get through whatever we're we're going through whether it's the good or the bad the ups and the downs um you want to Trust the people that are in the boat with you and you want mm-hmm. to want to be in the boat with the people that that you're in the boat with. Uh, that's critical, not just in making sure you come out on the other side when there's choppy waters, but it makes it more fun too when you're with people that you trust uh, and work well with and enjoy uh, a laugh with, uh, mm-hmm. as well as a tough conversation with. Um, having that type of trust, not just amongst, co-founders but also uh, amongst senior staff will get you through a, a lot of choppy waters that maybe even experience and courts of experience may not be able to get you through
1: so I'm gonna have to send you Simon Senek did this really cool like diagram uh, yeah. based on the Navy seals yeah and he interviewed a whole bunch of Navy seals and asked them what the most important things were and they would rather have somebody who is not as good at the particular task or role, but they trust it implicitly. And yeah. it's really cool to kind of see that. And it's amazing to hear you bring that to it because trust is is so fragile and, is, yeah. and and it takes a lot of work, but that is a big key to success. And I'm so happy to hear you say that before we walk out uh or, or close up for the day however you want to say it how can individuals or companies interested in working with arteria AI connect with you and the team
0: yeah you can find uh you can find us on LinkedIn uh, at Arteria AI you can find me on LinkedIn uh, arqq um, or send me an email yeah at arteria.ai
1: Fantastic. I will go ahead and put those down in the notes down here, like way down here. Um, So we'll go ahead and put those in. Also, if you're listening, they'll be in the show notes as well. So we'll make sure to have all those links really easy to get to it. I'll also put the URL confidential forward slash arteria.ai um, for you guys all to go to as well to find out more about Arteria. And Arar, this has been fantastic. I love talking about data. So I I geek out about this. And like I told you pre show, I have another 50 questions I wanted to ask, but we don't have nearly the time. Do you have any closing thoughts or comments about the future of fintech?
0: Yeah. The future of fintech is in the the hands of, of all of us. Uh, and, um, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, there, there will be tough times. And I think there's a particularly, uh, rocky time that, uh, that gets through it, uh, that some people are going through right now and some many fintechs are dealing with right now, uh, in the market, um, with market conditions being what they are. Um, but, uh, positivity, trust, uh, and, uh, and cohesion will, will get, uh, will get you through one way or another. I'm excited to be a part of the fintech community and ecosystem. Uh, and, uh, thanks you for having me on the, on the show, Chad.
1: Thank you once again. This has been fantastic. And I look forward to following Arteria AI on its journey into the next five years and beyond.
0: Awesome. thanks, Ted.
1: Support provided by SolvePath in e-commerce. It's really easy to get bogged down with basic support inquiries. Whether that's where is my package, how do I return or exchange this item or just to cancel a subscription. SolvePath is an AI-driven customer support system that uses a visual format and self-serve technology to quickly and effectively resolve issues, resulting in satisfying support experiences for customers. Customize a visual support experience for your e-commerce brands and increase your overall performance, enhance the customer experience, and drastically reduce support costs. Get the best customer support system for your business. Get SolvePath. Get started by visiting GetSolvePath.com this has
0: been a production of diamond d3 media with all rights reserved this is provided for informational purposes only it is not offered or intended to be used as legal tax investment financial or other advice we strive to provide accurate and up-to-date information but will not be responsible for any missing facts or inaccurate information you comply and understand that you should use any of this information at your own risk cryptocurrencies are highly volatile financial assets so research and make your own financial decisions